Chapter Twenty Five of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bunyip Land by George Manville Finn. Chapter Twenty Five How I Was Disposed to Find Fault with My Best Friend. When I unclosed my eyes it was bright morning, and through an opening in the trees opposite to where I lay I gazed upon the dazzling summit of a mountain of wonderfully regular shape. As I lay there it put me in mind of a bell, so evenly rounded were the shoulders, and I was thinking whether it would be possible to clamber up it and inspect the country from its summit when the doctor came up. "'Ah, Joe,' he said, "'and how are the spirits this morning?' "'Spirits,' I said, wonderingly, for my sleep had been so deep that I had forgotten all about the previous evening. "'Oh, I'm quite well,' and springing up I went to the stream by which we were encamped to bathe my face and hands, coming back refreshed and quite ready for the breakfast that was waiting. "'Let's see,' said the doctor. "'I promised an expedition, did I not?' "'Yes, hunting or fishing,' I said eagerly, though I half repented my eagerness directly after, for it seemed as if I did not think enough about the object of our journey. "'I've altered my mind,' said the doctor. "'We've been traveling for days in low, damp levels. Now for a change, what do you say to trying high ground and seeing if we can climb that mountain? What do you say, Penny?' "'Won't it make our backs ache a great deal?' he said, gazing rather wistfully up at the glittering mountain. "'No doubt, and our legs, too,' the doctor replied. "'Of course we shall not try to ascend the snowy parts, but to get as far as the shoulder. That will give us a good view of the lay of the land, and it will be something to climb where perhaps human foot has never trod before.' There was something fascinating enough in this, to move Jack Penny into forgetfulness of the possibility of an aching back. And after getting in motion once more, we followed our black bearers for a few miles, then giving them instructions where to halt, upon a low hill just in front, we struck off to the left, the doctor, Jack Penny, Jimmy, and the dog, and at the end of half an hour began the ascent. So slight was the slope that we climbed, I could hardly believe it possible how fast we had ascended, when at the end of a couple of hours we sat down to rest by a rill of clear, intensely cold water that was bubbling amongst the stones. For on peering through a clump of trees I gazed at the most lovely landscape I had seen since I commenced my journey. Far as I could reach it was one undulating forest of endless shades of green, amidst which, like verdant islands, rose hill and lesser mountain. I could have stopped and gazed at the scene for hours had not the doctor taken me by the arm. Rest and food, my lad, he said. Then higher up yet before we settle to our map-making and mark out our future course. Jimmy was already fast asleep beneath the rock, curled up in imitation of Jip, while Jack Penny was sitting with his back against a tree, apparently studying his legs, as he rubbed his hands up and down them gently to soften and make more pliable the muscles. 
"'Tain't time to go on yet, is it?' he said, with a dismal glance up at us. "'No, no, Penny. We'll have a good rest first, said the doctor. And Jack uttered a profound sigh of relief. "'I am glad,' he said, for I was resting my back. I get up against a small tree like this and keep my back straight, and that seems to make it stronger and stiffer for ever so long. Then take my advice, Penny. Try another plan, lad. You have grown too fast. Yes, that's what father always said, replied Jack, beginning with a high squeak and rumbling off into a low bass. You are then naturally weak, and if I were you, I should lie flat down upon my back every time we stopped. You will then get up refreshed more than you think for. But you wouldn't lie flat like that when you were eating your victuals, would you? I ain't Jimmy. No, but you could manage that, I said. And Jack Penny nodded and lay down very leisurely, but only to spring up again most energetically and uttered a frightened yell. Jip and Jimmy uncoiled like a couple of loosened springs, the former to utter a series of angry barks, and the latter to spring up into the air suddenly. Where de bunyip? Where de big bunyip? Jimmy kill em all along. He flourished his waddy wildly, then followed Jip, who charged into the wood as the doctor and I seized our guns, ready for action. Then a fierce worrying noise took place for a few moments in amongst the bushes, and then Jimmy came bounding out, dragging a small snake by the tail to throw it down, then proceed to batter its head once again with his waddy, driving it into the earth, though the reptile must already have ceased to exist. "'Kill em dead em!' cried Jimmy, grinning with triumph. "'Jimmy kill em headums. Jip kill em's tail!' "'I wish you'd look, doctor, and see if he bit me,' said Jack, speaking disconsolately. "'I lay down as you told me and put my head right on that snake.' "'Don't you know whether it bit you?' said the doctor anxiously. "'No, not the least idea,' said Jack, shaking his head. "'I think it must have bit me. I was so close.' "'I don't believe it did,' I said. "'Why, you must have known.' "'Think so,' said Jack dismally. "'I say, doctor, is it best, do you think, to lie right down?' "'Yes, if you look first to see whether there is danger from snakes.' There, lie down, my lad, and rest. Jack obeyed him very reluctantly, and after Jip and Jimmy had both recurled themselves, the doctor and I lay down to talk in a low voice about our prospects, and then, as I lay listening to his words and wondering whether I should ever succeed in tracing out my father, all seemed to become blank till I started up on being touched. Had a good nap, said the doctor. Then let's get on again. We started once more with the ground now becoming more difficult. Trees were fewer, but rocks and rugged patches of stony soil grew frequent, while a pleasant breeze now played about our faces and seemed to send vigor into our frames. Jip and the black were wonderfully excited, bounding about in front of us, and even Jack Penny stepped out with a less uncertain stride. Higher we climbed and higher, and at every pause that we made for breath, the beauty of the great country was more impressed upon me. What a pity, exclaimed the doctor, as we halted at last upon a rugged corner of the way we were clambering, with the glistening summit far above our heads, while at our feet 
The wild country looked like some lovely green garden. What is a pity, I said, wonderingly, for the scene, tired and hot as I was, seemed lovely. That such a glorious country should be almost without habitant, when thousands of our good true Englishmen are without a scrap of land to call their own. Hey, hi, cried Jack Penny excitedly. Look out, there's something wrong. Jimmy and the dog had, as usual, been on ahead, but only to come racing back, the former's face full of excitement, while the dog seemed almost as eager as the black. Jimmy, find a man's find. Quiet, Chip, no make noise. Find? My father, I cried, with a curious choking sensation in my throat. No, no, find em fodder, whispered Jimmy. Get em gun. Find em black fellow round a corner. He's come upon the natives at last, doctor, I said softly. What shall we do? Retreat if they're enemies. Go up to them if they're friendly, said the doctor. Only we can't tell which, my lad. Ours is a plunge in the dark, and we must risk it or I do not see how we are to get on with our quest. Shall we put on a brave face and seem as if we trusted them then, I said. But suppose they're fierce cannibals, whispered Jack Penny, or as savage as those fellows down the river. Ain't it rather risky? No more risky than the whole of our trip, Penny, said the doctor gravely. Are you afraid? Well, I don't know, drawled Jack softly. I don't think I am, but I ain't sure. But I shan't run away. Oh, no, I shan't run away. Come along, then, said the doctor. Shoulder your rifle carelessly, and let's put a bold front upon our advance. They may be friendly. Now, Jimmy, lead the way. The black's eyes glittered as he ran to the front, stooping down almost as low as if he were some animal creeping through the bush, and taking advantage of every shrub and rock for concealment. He went on with Jip close at his heels, evidently as much interested as his leader, while we followed, walking erect and making no effort to conceal our movements. We went on like this for quite a quarter of a mile, and the doctor had twice whispered to me that he believed it was a false alarm in spite of Jimmy's cautionary movements, and we were about to shout to him to come back when all at once he stopped short behind a rugged place that stood out of the mountain slope and waved his waddy to us to come on. He's come upon them, I said, and with my heart beating faster and a curious sensation of sluggishness attacking my legs. Yes, he has found something, said the doctor, and as I glanced round I could see that Jack Penny had my complaint in his legs a little worse than I. But no sooner did he see that I was looking at him then he snatched himself together, and we went on boldly, feeling a good deal encouraged from the simple fact that Jip came back to meet us wagging his tail. As we reached the spot where Jimmy was watching, he drew back to allow us to peer round the block of stone, saying softly, "'That's em. Black fella just gone long.' To our surprise there were no natives in the hollow into which we peered, but just beyond a few stunted bushes I could see smoke arising so it seemed, and the black whispered, Black fellow fire, cook em damper, roast em sheep's muttons. But there's no one, Jimmy, I said. Just gone long. Here, Jimmy, come long. Run way, he whispered. 
That is no fire, said the doctor, stepping forward. It's a hot spring. Yes, yes, much big fire. Go much out now. Mine black fellow, mine spear, kill him, kill him. Yes, a hot spring, and this is steam, said the doctor, and we went on to where a little basin of water bubbled gently and sent forth quite a little pillar of vapor into the air. So white was it that the black might well have been excused for making his mistake. Jimmy run long see where black fellow gone. Cook him dinner here. Eh, where a fire, he cried, bending down and poking at the little basin with the butt of his spear before looking wonderingly at us. Far down in the earth, Jimmy, said the doctor. Eh, far down? Where a fire make em water boils? cried the black excitedly, and bending down he peered in all directions, ending by thrusting one hand in the spring and snatching it out again with a yell of pain. Is it so hot as that, Jimmy? I said. Ah, roast em hot! Oh! cried Jimmy, holding his hand to his mouth. Oh! Mass Joe! Doctor, stop! Jimmy, go and find black fellow. We tried very hard to make the black understand that this was one of nature's wonders, but it was of no avail. He only shook his head and winked at us, grinning the while. No, no, Jimmy too cunning artful. Play trickums, make fool of Jimmy. Oh, no, ha, ha, Jimmy cunning artful. Black fella see through everybody. He stood shaking his head at us in such an aggravating way after all the trouble I'd been at to show him that this was a hot spring and volcanic, that I felt ready to kick, and I dare say I should have kicked him if he had not been aware of me, reading my countenance easily enough, and backing away laughing, and getting within reach of a great piece of rock, behind which he could dodge if I grew too aggressive. I left Jimmy to himself, and stood with the doctor examining the curious steaming little fount, which came bubbling out of some chinks in the solid rock, and formed a basin for itself of milky white stone, some of which was rippled where the water ran over, and trickled musically along a jagged crevice in the rocky soil, sending up a faint steam which faded away directly in the glowing sunshine. I say, said Jack Penny, who had crouched down beside the basin, why, you might cook eggs in this. That you might, Penny, said the doctor. But we ain't got any eggs to cook, said Jack, dolefully. I wish we'd got some of our fowl's eggs, the new laid ones, you know. I don't mean them you find in the nests. I say, it is hot, he continued. You might boil mutton. Eh, where a mutton? Boil mutton, cried Jimmy, running up, for he had caught the words. At home, Jimmy, I said, laughing. The black's disgust was comical to witness, as he tucked his waddy under one arm and turned his nose in the air and stalked off amongst the rocks in the full belief that we had been playing tricks with him. He startled us the next moment by shouting, Here em come! Gun! 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 He came rushing back to us, and moved by his evidently real excitement, we took refuge behind a barrier of rock and waited the coming onslaught. For surely enough, there below us were dark bodies moving amongst the low growth and it was evident that whatever it was, human being or lower animals, they were coming in our direction fast. We waited anxiously for a few minutes, during the whole of which time Jimmy was busily peering to right and left, now creeping forward for a few yards, sheltered by stones or bush, now slowly raising his head to get a glimpse of the coming danger, 
and so careful was he that his black rough head should not be seen, that he turned over upon his back, pushed himself along in that position, then lay peering through the bushes over his forehead. The moving objects were still fifty yards away where the bush was very thick and low, admirable cover for an advancing enemy. Their actions seemed so cautious, too, that we felt sure we must be seen, and I was beginning to wonder whether it would not be wise to fire amongst the low scrub and scare our enemies, when Jimmy suddenly changed his tactics, making a sign to us to be still, as he crawled backward right past us and disappeared, waddy in hand. We could do nothing but watch, expecting the black every moment to return and report. But five minutes... Ten minutes' anxiety ensued before we heard a shout right before us, followed by a rush, and as we realized that the black had come back past us so that he might make a circuit and get round the enemy, there was a rush, and away, bounding lightly over the tops of the bushes, went a little pack of a small kind of kangaroo. It was a matter of moments, the frightened animals taking flying leaps till out of sight, and Jimmy appeared, running up panting, to look eagerly round. Whar a big wallaby, he cried. No shoot, no kill him, eh? Jimmy kill him one big small old man. He trotted back as he spoke, and returned in triumph, bearing one of the creatures about equal in size to a small lamb. This was quickly dressed by the black and secured hanging in a tree, for the doctor would not listen to Jimmy's suggestion that we should stop and boil em in black fellow's pot all like muttons and then we continued our climb till we had won to a magnificent position on the shoulder of the mountain for making a careful inspection of the country now seemingly to lie stretched out at our feet a more glorious sight i never saw green everywhere wave upon wave of verdure lit up by the sunshine and darkening in shadow mountains were in the distance and sometimes we caught the glint of water but sweep the prospect as we would in every direction with the glass, it was always the same, and the doctor looked at me at last and shook his head. Joe, he said at last, our plan appears to be very good when we proposed it, but it seems to me that we're going wrong. If we're to find your father, whom we believe to be a prisoner, who is a prisoner, I said emphatically. Why do you say that? he cried sharply, searching me with his eyes. I don't know, I replied dreamily. He's a prisoner, somewhere. Then we must seek him among the villages of the blacks near the seashore. The further we go, the more we seem to be making our way into the desert. Look there, he cried, pointing in different directions. The foot of man never treads there. These forests are impassable. Are you getting weary of our search, doctor? I said bitterly. He turned upon me an angry look, which changed to one of reproach. You should not have asked me that, my lad, he said softly. You are tired, or you would not have spoken so bitterly. Wait and see. I only want to direct our energies in the right way. The blacks could go on tramping through the country. We whites must use our brains as well as our legs. I, I beg your pardon, doctor, I cried earnestly. All right, my lad, he said quietly. Now for getting back to camp, where must our bearers be? He adjusted the glass and stood carefully examining the broad landscape before us, till all at once he uttered an exclamation and handed the glass to me. See what you make of that spot 
where there seems to be a mass of rock rising out of the plain and a thin thread of flashing water running by its side. Yonder, he continued, pointing, about ten miles away, I should say. I took the glass and, after a good deal of difficulty, managed to catch sight of the lump of rock he had pointed out. There was the gleaming thread of silver, too, with, plainly seen through the clear atmosphere and gilded by the sun, quite a tiny cloud of vapor slowly rising in the air. "'Is that another hot spring, doctor?' I said, as I kept my glass fixed upon the spot. "'Or—' "'Our black's fire,' said the doctor. "'It might be either.' or in addition it might be a fire lit by enemies, or at all events savages. But as it is in the direction in which we are expecting to find our camp, and there seem to be no enemies near, I am in favor of that being camp. Come, time is slipping by. Let's start downward now. I nodded and turned to Jack Penny, who all this while had been resting his back by lying flat upon the ground and that he was asleep was proved by the number of ants and other investigating insects which were making a tour all over his long body, Jip, meanwhile, looking on and sniffing at anything large, such as a beetle, with the result of chasing the visitor away. We roused Jack and started, having to make a detour so as to secure Jimmy's kangaroo, which he shouldered manfully, for though it offered us no temptation we knew it would delight the men in camp. The descent was much less laborious than the ascent, but it took a long time, and the sun was fast sinking lower, while as we approached the plains every few hundred yards seemed to bring us into a warmer stratum of air, while we kept missing the pleasant breeze of the higher ground. If we could have made a bee-line straight to where the smoke rose, the task would have been comparatively easy, but we had to avoid this chasm, that piled-up mass of rocks, and, as we went lower, first thorny patches of scrub impeded our passage, and lower still there was the impenetrable forest. I was getting fearfully tired, and Jack Penny had for a long time been perfectly silent, while Jimmy, who was last, took to uttering a low groan every now and then, at times making it a sigh as he looked imploringly at me, evidently expecting me to share his heavy load. I was too tired and selfish, I'm afraid, and I trudged on till close upon sundown, when it occurred to me that I had not heard Jimmy groan or sigh for some time, and turning to speak to him I waited till he came up, walking easily and lightly, with his spear acting as a staff. "'Why, Jimmy, where's the kangaroo?' I said. "'Wallaby, old man, Mass Joe,' he said, nodding his head on one side like a sparrow. "'Yes, where is it?' "'Badden,' he said sharply. "'Jimmy, smell up poo-boo. Bad. Not good a uh, eat. No get camp a night. Jimmy throw em all away. Thrown it away? I cried. Yes, madams. Jimmy throw em all away. You lazy humbug, I said with a laugh in which he good-humouredly joined. Yes, yes. Jimmy lazy humbug. Throw em all away. But I say, look here, Jimmy, I said anxiously. What do you mean? Light fire here, go asleep. Find em camp a morning. All away, right away. Not here, no. He ended by shaking his head, and I called to the doctor. Jimmy says we shall not find the camp, I said hastily, and that we are going wrong. I know it, he said quietly, but we cannot get through this forest patch, so we must go wrong for a time, then strike off to the right. 
but we found no opportunity of striking off to the right. Everywhere it was impenetrable forest, and at last we had to come to a halt on the edge, for the darkness was black, and to have gone on meant feeling our way step by step. End of chapter 25 How I Was Disposed to Find Fault with My Best Friend